Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourselves molten gods. I am the Lord your God. Now when you offer a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord, you shall offer it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it and the next day, but what remains until the third day shall be burned with fire. So if it is eaten at all on the third day, it is an offense. It will not be accepted. Everyone who eats it will bear his iniquity, for he has profaned the holy thing of the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from his people. Now when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am the Lord, your God. You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. You shall not swear falsely by my name, so as to profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse a deaf man, nor place a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice and judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. You shall not go about as a slanderer among your people, and you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor, but shall not incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I just pray that this word will help us to um, transform transform our hearts so that we may be holy in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, praise team, for that song, which really relates to, yeah, give them a round of applause. Praise God which really relate to what we're talking about. Holiness. What comes to mind when you hear that term, holiness? Many people have wrong views of what holiness is. Some think that holiness is that, you know, it's legalism. It's it's work-based. You know, it's Old Testament. It's not relevant for the Christian today. You know, it it has nothing to do with having a relationship with God. You know, you know, that's irrelevant. Right. Some people think holiness is that you're like a monk or some ascetic where you just don't get involved with with people. Right. You're not a people. Just stay in the room and just, you know, meditate and just read the Bible. And that's it. Right. Some people believe that holiness is that, you know, you know, you're you're, you know, you can't have fun. You know, you got to be, you know, dull. Your life has to be be bland. You know, some people think holiness is like, you know, you have to be Amish or something. You know, you can't have technology or electricity at home. Very weird views of what holiness actually is. Some people think that holiness, oh, you can't have a sense of humor. No laughing, just like that, you know what I'm saying? You have to be very stoic, right? Some people think that if you conform to one's culture, you know, you got to be black or you got to be white. That's what holiness is. No, it's not, okay? Yes, there are some things that we shouldn't be doing. Like, you know, like some forms of humor is inappropriate, right? It's unholy. There's some forms of jokes and humor that we should abstain from. Content matters. Just like when someone asks, you know, is it sin to watch TV and watch movies? Well, obviously that depends, you know, on the content. There are some things, obviously, we shouldn't be watching, right? Or some people, they ask, like, you know, what about dance? You know, is dancing sin? I know some of you guys are against dancing, probably because you don't know how to dance. That's really what it is, right? But... (laughs) 
but obviously, you know, you could, there's so many alternatives to like freak dancing, right? You know, do the walk, do the Dougie, do the Smurf, do the electric slide, do a Fortnite dance, do something, right? So we tend to think holiness is, is like, you know, based on activities or, you know, what we can do and, and how, how our devotion is to God. But today we're going to talk about something different, something unique. It's going to be about horizontal holiness because we often tend to limit holiness to just reading your Bible, praying, you know, fasting, meditating, abstaining from immorality, which is all good. But it's also how we treat our neighbors, how we treat other people. Because you could be, you know, you might think you're all holy because you know theology. You might think you're all holy because, yeah, you know, you have stand for immorality and, and you pray and things like that. But you're mean. You're not kind. You're not gentle. You gossip. You're a hot mess. Therefore, you're not holy. I don't care how long your meditation is. Because real talk, if you really are meditating in the word, if you are praying, if you are reading your word, that should transfer into loving your neighbor as yourself. See, it's a chain reaction. That's why Jesus says, God, that's why he said the first commandment is to love your God with all your heart, your mind, and soul, and even strength, right? And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we might say, like, I know how to love my neighbor as yourself, but you don't really get into detail, right? Because we tend to think we make our own rules of what it looks like to love our neighbor as ourselves. But see, in Leviticus, the most boring book of the Bible, which, which a lot of you guys sing it, I'm one of the weird people that actually like Leviticus. Probably like top 10, 15 favorite Bibles books of mine, okay? But this book, okay, contains how we are to love our neighbor in good detail, okay? So holiness, it could be defined as, you know, godliness, sanctification, being set apart. Um, it could also mean just being separate from the world, you know? It's basically being like Christ. If we're Christians, we're to be like Christ. Well, that's what a Christian is. You're, you're a Jesus wannabe in how he acts and, and how he speaks. Jesus' example of holiness was really manifested in his interactions with people. Okay, yes, he did have an intimate relationship with the Father through his prayer life, but it's also how he treated people. So here in Leviticus, although it's primarily, you know, it's called Leviticus because many of the commandments are for the priestly tribe of Levi, right? But there are so many other things that we could get out of it, right? It still talks about how we are to, you know, worship God. It still talks about how we are to treat others. And although it is towards a theocratic society, you know, the nation of Israel, their God, their king was God. Their governor, their president was God. It was, it was a different time, right? So we don't live in a theocratic society, right? But there are still some practical things we should be able to get out of this. Now, the title for the sermon is called Horizontal Holiness. We'll look at two features in this text that explains how to be holy horizontally. Okay, I know that sounds fancy. Just, just how to be holy towards other people, right? You know, just how to treat people right. I'm just trying to be creative with my titles, all right? Um, so we're going to first look at the um, prerequisites of holiness. There are some things that we must um, do and, and, and follow and practice in order for us to um, love our neighbors as ourselves, right? And then we get down into the practice of it, okay? So I know this is a very long passage. Don't worry, I'm not going to read it over again. That's why I wanted to do the scripture reading in the front end, so I won't have to read every single thing already, okay? Let's look at the, the first prerequisite. It is vertical holiness. Let's read verse 1 to 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. In order for you to be holy towards anyone else, you need to have a relationship with the Father. How do we get that? Through Jesus Christ alone through believing the gospel. I'm going to tell you guys the gospel in the front end because I don't want you guys thinking I'm speaking legalism. 
or I'm speaking law. Well, it is law. It's Torah, right? But how are we saved from our sins? It's through believing in Christ, okay? Because we are not perfectly holy, okay? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But for us to be able to be holy, we need to be powered by the Holy Spirit, okay? See, when we turn from our sins and believe in Christ, we become his child. We become his child. And if we are his child and if God is holy, we should act like our father. And we should be holy, right? So typically we think that, you know, when we have people problems, it's the other person that has to change. It's the other person like they need to they need to, you know, change how they are. They need to change how their attitude. They need to change how they talk to me and things like that. And, you know, maybe they could be the problem. But whatever the case is, we need to draw closer to God because we could interact in a godly way or we could interact in an unholy, ungodly way. All right. So we always have to draw closer to God. We always have to rely on the spirit when having conflict, when dealing with people. I know this sounds elementary. I know this sounds basic. But we tend to think of, we tend to forget about that. Our vertical relationship is pretty much, you know, it's like a chain reaction to our horizontal relationships to people. Okay, the foundation is our vertical relationship, or you could call it vertical holiness. Next thing is parental holiness or familial holiness. Verse three says, "Every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father. We shall fear, honor, respect our parents." Okay, children understand the concept of parents before they do God. Okay, parents, there's to be like an illustration for a child to understand who God is based on how they provide, how they protect, how they train, God direct, discipline. Okay, but the parent is also to train the child into understanding who God is and to model that example of godliness and holiness for the child. Therefore, that is how a child is to honor their parents by following the example of a godly parent. Now, because if a child has issues with submitting to authority, the first authority that God has placed in their life, they're going to have trouble submitting to any other form of authority in society. That goes with teachers, uh, people in the church, Sunday school. That goes with civil authorities, police. It goes on. All right. So holiness starts within the home. And don't think that this commandment is just for children. Okay, just, you know, if your if your mother or father is still around, you still have to give honor to them. You still have to respect them and reverence them. Okay, I know we tend to think this commandment is just for children. It's not a temporary commandment. It's, it's a continual thing. Leviticus also talks about how generally we should honor all elders. Okay. So horizontal holiness starts, you know, it's, it's vertical, then it starts within the home and then family. And then let's get into devotional holiness. What is this about? Let's, let's go to the, the, to the second part of chapter 3. I mean, verse 3. It says, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. The Israelites, they were to observe the Sabbath day. Why? Because it's to help them reflect on how God created the heavens and the earth. You know, everything in six days and on the seventh day, he rested. Okay. So for us as Christians, are we to observe the Sabbath? You can if you want to. You have freedom to do that. No, Sunday is not the replacement of the Sabbath now. Okay. But how, 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 does, this, how does this like, you know, connect with us? What, what practic- what's, what's, what's so practical about this for the New Testament Christian today? Well, do we obey God's commandments today in the New Testament, right? Because this is a simple commandment, right? But what are some simple commandments that we, we should follow that we tend to often overlook or we think it's not a big deal? Oh, sometimes we think it's not a big deal when we neglect to, you know, be with the saints. We forsake the assembly of the saints and we don't encourage one another. We don't stimulate one another in good gifts. Those are commandments, but we tend to just, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, back then, some of the Israelites thought, oh, the Sabbath, oh, it's not a big deal. 
okay? We have to obey God's word. What else must we do? We should abstain from idolatry. Verse 4, do not turn to idols or make for yourselves more than gods. I am the Lord your God. Notice that you're going to see I am the Lord your God many times. What is God emphasizing? Really, it's his covenant name that he used, Yahweh. What does that mean? That he's a self-existing one, the self-sustaining one. He is the only God. And why must we not create images of either false gods or, or even God himself. How come we can't have a representative or an image of who God is? Because we're supposed to be that image. We're creating an image of God. We are to be conformed to the image of Christ. We are to be the holy one. See, we are to display characteristics that God has. We are like God. We're not gods, okay? But we are like God, okay? And we everyone is already like God because they're created in God's image as far as like things they could do, their creativity, their rationality. But as Christians, we are to be even more like God through holiness. All right, so that's what makes us distinct. All right, how, how else must we um, be holy devotionally to our God? We must be a living sacrifice. So verses five through eight, I'm not going to read that huge chunk, but that talks about the peace offering or the fellowship offering. This was actually a voluntary sacrifice that the Israelites followed. It was a sacrifice usually just to give God thanks. You can read more about the sacrifice on Leviticus chapter three and seven, okay? But don't read that when you're you know, tired already, okay? Read that when you're up and alert, okay? Um, but commentators speculate on why out of all the offerings, this is mentioned here, perhaps we learn that, we learn here that even even though there are activities that are voluntary towards God, there are still requirements that we still must follow, okay, that God has for us. So we see how detailed the sacrifice is, you know, that, you know, it should be eaten within either the same day or the next day, but if someone wants to eat it the third day, okay, it's probably all rotten and stuff anyway, you know, got mildew and all that stuff, but anyways, if someone was to do something nasty like that, they are to be cut off, okay? So there's some strict, um, you know, they commit iniquity and they're to be cut off from his people. So, what do we get out of this, right? Although we don't offer up animal sacrifices anymore, okay, because Christ, you know, Christ's sacrifice is sufficient, right? It's an atoning sacrifice, and it is finished. We don't have to do all that anymore. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to be no butchers and stuff. We got to slaughter a big old, you know, boar, you know, ox, goat, and sh- Man, I don't know. I can't do that. I'll be like, ooh, I'll be like, yeah, can you do this for me? But... <laughs> But we are still to sacrifice. What must, be, what, what must we sacrifice? Our body. It is to be a living and holy sacrifice, which is to be our spiritual service or worship towards God. What else must we sacrifice? Oh, we are to give, give sacrifices of praise with the fruit of our lips. You know, that's what God's word says as well. By the way, when we think of sacrifice, what comes to mind? What comes to mind? It, it sounds like surrender. You know, it, 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 it's maybe being uncomfortable. Maybe it's, it's kind of doing things that's out of inconvenience with our own life and comfort sometimes. See, a lot of us, we get a little comfortable. We get a little lackadaisical. Sometimes we get a little selfish and we think it's all about us. I know it's hard to come to church on Sunday. I don't feel like going to come to church on Sunday sometimes. You know, I don't feel like going to, you know, after school programming. I worked all day. I got to commute and I got to come here and then I get home late. I don't feel like going to young adult study sometimes. No, Friday night smackdown, come on, WWE, you know what I'm saying? Why do I got to come young adult? But, you know, I don't feel like going to no church work day on a Saturday morning on my day off. Come on now. Let's be real. But guess what? We got to be a living sacrifice. And guess what? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God and his people. See, we get very selfish. See, part of, part of growing is sacrificing. 
part of growing is not being so selfish and stuck in your own ways. Here's a life hack. Here's something that will help you with your mental health. Serve. Don't nobody want to tell you that. Serve. Be a living sacrifice. Being a living sacrifice means that you're going to have to do some things that you don't want to do. See, Jesus Christ washed feet. And we think we're too good to serve in certain capacities in the church. We're too good to want to help with the slides. We're too good to want to usher. Oh, I got a seminary degree. I don't want to do that. I want to know. I want to teach the children, please. I need to be up here preaching. We get too caught up in our own little kingdom. It's not about our kingdom. It's about Christ's kingdom. That's what it is to be a living sacrifice, okay? Don't think just because, oh, we're not in the Old Testament times. We don't have to sacrifice. No, being a Christian is easy, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I don't got to do all that stuff anymore. It's not all detailed and specific like in Leviticus and things like that. But you are going to have to put your life on the line sometimes. You are going to have to be a frontline soldier sometimes and be that example. That's the prerequisite of horizontal holiness. Very difficult, right? But let's get into the practice of horizontal holiness because it kind of gets even more difficult when you think about it. Okay, so verse 9 and 10. Now, when you reap the harvest of your land, you should not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am the Lord, your God. I know this... This might not be too familiar with us because they lived in an agrarian society. You know, they had to tend and cultivate the land and things like that. But what we could get out of this is that we are to be generous. It's part of being holy horizontally is living a life of generosity and giving. See, the Israelites, when they, had, when they owned a the land, they weren't to, you know, just, just hoard all the crops and food and things like that. They were to leave the corners, you know, open for, so that foreigners and the poor can, can take some. And it, with the food that they gathered, if any of it drops down, they aren't to pick it up and, you know, let the poor get it. We see this example in Ruth, too. You guys remember when Boaz instructed... Um, Roots are like, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead and get the leftovers, you know, go ahead and get that. So this isn't a handout now because the poor, they see how to work. See, Ruth still work, all right? But it is helping the poor. It is being generous, right? So we might ask ourselves, you know, how are we generous? You know, do we hoard our, our resources? Do we set aside in our budget to give? You know, do, are we concerned about the poor? You know, I'm, think, I'm talking individually and as a church. You know, do we think about that? Do we want to be a giving people? Do we want to be known as someone who's generous? Or do we want to be stingy? Do we, we want to be known to be someone who's cheap? You know, some of you guys are cheap because, you know, you're stingy and you're selfish. Or sometimes you're, you're, you're worried that, oh, something's going to happen or, you know, I need this extra money. No. No, give. And sometimes you have to give cheerfully, sacrificially. Give, okay? That's part of, that's part of um, one practice of, of being holy. Now, I know we live in L.A. I know budget is tight. I know that it's expensive, right? And we hustle and bustle. We got two, three jobs and things like that. But, and you might think, man, I, I don't have enough money to give. You know what I'm saying? But if you look in your closet and you got options of shoes and clothes you wear, okay, you ain't broke. If you got a smartphone, if you could make trips, vacations, you could give, all right? I'm not saying you got to give substantially to where it's jacking your livelihood up, but if you have a surplus, okay, if you have a little something, you can give, okay? Because God expected that with the Israelites, all right? Another practice of horizontal holiness is integrity. This is verses 11 through 16. But before I read it, what is integrity? Okay, Integrity is basically doing the right thing even though you know you could get, get away with it. It is doing the right thing even though no one is watching. For the Christian, though, 
Integrity is doing the right thing because you know God is watching. Integrity for the Christian is doing the right thing because you fear God. Integrity for the Christian is doing the right thing because you know you're accountable to God. Okay, Integrity for the Christian is doing the right thing because you know you're going to have to give an answer. So what you did or, you know, thought or, or done to God, okay? But integrity also entails honesty, all right? Let's see verses 11 through 12. You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. You shall not swear falsely by my name so as to profane the name of your God. I am the Lord, okay? You shall not steal, okay? Stop going in the church fridge looking for something to eat, and you know it's not your food, Okay? <laughs> No, stop doing that ghetto stuff. You taking the Awana snacks, the after school program. Ask Ryan, okay? I know you're hungry and you want to grab a snicker, but hey, man. Hey, it's stealing, okay? Don't lie, okay? Don't, 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 don't make false claims about yourself or, or, or anyone else, okay? And don't, you, don't swear oaths in, in the name of the Lord. You know why? Because you profane the name of God. You show irreverence. You have a lack of respect and dishonor toward who God is. And once again, why should we do that? Because God says, I am Yahweh. I am who I say I am. You know, therefore, you should fear me and remember that I'm watching, okay? But what, how else should we have integrity? Verse 13, you shall not oppress your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse a deaf man nor place a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. Okay, we are not to oppress people. That's what verse 13 talks about. Some of the um, employer, the Israelite employers, they were um, holding the wages because people were there to get paid every single day they work. But some Israelite employers, for some reason, they were being dirty and not giving the wages. Okay, they're playing people. If you're a supervisor, if you're a manager, if you're some person of authority at your job, respect and be fair to your employees. Okay, don't take advantage of them. And then he talks about how we are to be holy and show sympathy to individuals with disabilities. You know, people with disabilities are probably the most underrepresented population in society, okay? So it talks about how, you know, don't, you know, curse the deaf. Because why? Because although the deaf person might not hear what the curses are, God does, right? He also says, don't put a stumbling block. You know, it's basically being a jerk, right? He, he say, he's saying, no, don't put something in front of a blind person who's, who's walking and then they trip and fall and you laugh at that. Because although the blind person doesn't see it or even know what happened, God does. That's why in the end, God says, I am the Lord, your God. You, should, you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. See, if you're doing that to someone who's, remember, creating God's image. It doesn't matter what abilities, disabilities, physical disabilities, intellectual disabilities, special needs, whatever, it doesn't matter. They're creating God's image. And when you do that, when you mistreat people, that population, it shows you that you don't fear God. So that's what it's saying. We should have compassion on those people. So how can we, as a church, okay, that's just something to think about, okay? I don't I don't think we have an answer for this, but that is something that we have to think about. How can we be light? How can we be holy and have compassion towards the population of people with special needs? Okay, it talks about this in Leviticus, right? Another way where we can have integrity is to 
have equity, show equity. Verse 15 and 16, you shall do no injustice and judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. Okay, you could also call this point equity, you know, being just, being fair, not, you know, being impartial. You know, the Israelite judges, they, they were to be, be fair. They, they, they weren't to be biased and subjective. They, they, sh- they, they weren't to side with the poor because like, oh, we're trying to get the rich back and stuff. They weren't to side with the rich to be like, oh man, I'm trying to get rich too. You know, I'm trying to get favoritism with the rich people. They weren't to do that, okay? So we should be fair when we handle conflict with people. We shouldn't be biased because like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on their side because they black and I'm black, you know what I'm saying? But you don't even know the facts, okay? That's what some of the Israelites people were doing more when it comes to financial, um, you know, um, aspects, right? And then what else does equity involve? You know, you can't be messy, all right, you can't be messy. Let's go to verse um, 16. You shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. You are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You know, it is wrong. It's, it's, it's messed up and not fair when you go behind someone's back and just talk about someone. Okay, now I know some people say gossiping and slandering and tail-bearing. They're all different. We shouldn't be doing any of them, right? I know gossiping, some people say it's just, you know, spreading just people's business and secrets. Slandering is like, you know, adding false claims to it to ruin someone's reputation. Tail-bearing is just, just making stuff up. You know, you're bearing tails, right? You know, we shouldn't be involved in doing any of that stuff, okay? And I know as a church, we struggle with this. You know, a lot of people struggle with this. It's like one of those acceptable sins, you know? Some of our, uh, us married folks, you know, we had that pillow talk where we just, you know, we gossiping about people at work and things like that. We don't even think twice about it, right? You know, and um, we have to uh, avoid that, right? We have, we have to stop being nosy people sometimes. Some of some of you guys are nosy, right? You be you don't even, you're not even cool with people, but you ain't scared to ask some some scary questions, right? You, you be asking how much money you make, you know? I was like, who who you vote for? You vaccinated, you know? I was like, like man, you, you ain't ask how I'm doing or nothing, you know? What happened to you and your ex and things like that? Like, okay, what's the purpose of, of all that? Okay, like like do you are you really concerned? Or are you just being nosy so you can go spread it out? Now, some people in the church, they're asking those questions not for the purpose of being gossipy and, and have evil intention. You know, they don't have an evil intention and things like that. But we have to be careful, okay? Now, Dr. Felix is talking a lot about how, um, you know, the, the tongue is powerful in Wednesday night Bible study, okay? So I'm not going to expand on that point anymore. Um, but integrity is key, okay? It involves others in your life. Don't lie. Don't cheat. No, don't steal. Don't, don't be a gossip. Don't show favoritism. Don't take advantage of people, okay? And then we must be merciful. Another practice of horizontal holiness is mercy. Let's read verse 17 through 18. You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor, but shall not incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Mercy is, is, is basically not doing or giving to someone what they do deserve. Okay, what is grace? Grace is, is giving to someone, you know, something that, that they don't deserve for their good, right? So, you know, God, he's both merciful and gracious, right? And as people of God, we need to be gracious, but right, right here I'm going to talk about mercy because that's what the text really talks about. We have to be merciful towards others, even when offended against, right? You know, if someone offends us, right, you know, we, we can't just retaliate against that person, right? It says we must not hate, okay? We must not, you know, hate our fellow countrymen, or it could be translated our brother, okay? Our sister in your heart. We must not hate in our heart. What did Jesus say in, in the Gospels when he says, 
if you hate someone in your heart, what is it called? It's called murder. Okay, if you hate someone in your heart, you're a murderer. Okay, so Jesus expanded on that in the New Testament. See, we have the new, we can look at that Old Testament with the New Testament goggles, right? The New Testament glasses and see like, oh, it's talking about the heart too. It's not just talking about external, right? You go hold it up. We shouldn't have a root of bitterness and want to hold a grudge and be vengeful towards someone, right? We have to be merciful, okay? Now, it does. It does. It doesn't just say, "Okay, don't do anything," right? And, and don't 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 do anything, okay? Because it says, "You know, you may surely reprove your neighbor, but shall not incur sin because because of him." So, we are to, if, you know, if someone sins against us, one of our brothers and sisters sins against us, offends us, or something like that. We are to rebuke that person. We are to come to that person and confront them and say, "Like, hey, what you said to me really hurt my feelings." You know, like, can we talk about that? Can we work that out? Okay. So we are to call out sin. We are to confront sin. You know, we are to tell people, hey, you know, you know what you're doing is wrong. You know, I see you, you know, you married and you flirting with so-and-so and things like that. Like, that's wrong. And I'm going to call you out for that because guess what? If I don't call you out on that, blood is on my hands. I can cure sin because of you because I didn't confront you. See, some of us, we either, we even, we either know people or we, we've had friends here at this church or in the past and things like that, and they're all up in sin, okay? They're, they're in some rampant, outright, just, you know, obvious, blatant sin, right? And we don't say anything, okay? We, we don't confront. One of the ways that we could grow as a church and be holy, okay, is if we got, we got to start confronting sin because we're letting too, much, too many things slide, right? How can we do that, right? How can we, who know how to swim, we see someone drown and just, just barely have their head above water, okay? And we just watch them drown. We, we don't call a lifeguard. We don't throw a life buoy in. We don't jump in there and, and rescue them. We just like, oh, it's not my business, or oh, they'll, they'll figure it out. What kind of person does that? Watch their brother or sister drowning in the water. That's a sick person, okay? And some of us are like that spiritually, where we just, where we just, it's not a big deal. Like, oh, you know, they'll figure it out. They'll drown or someone else will do it. We got to do it, okay? Even if it is awkward. I don't like doing that. Remember what I said about living, being a living sacrifice, though. Sometimes we got to do that, okay? Because if we don't, we're not, we're not being merciful, and we're not loving our neighbor as ourselves. See, loving our neighbor as ourselves doesn't mean that we coddle and we enable people. See, some of us, we're enablers, some, some of us are surrounded by people who are enablers, so they don't challenge us or convict us to grow. And we just stay stagnant. All right? So we must be genuine in how we confront sin. We shouldn't just be like, you know, being mean. There, there's, there are ways of confronting it, right? We got to do it in a loving, gentle way, right? But at the, at, there are times we got to be a little stern and straight up with people. People always want to talk about, oh, you know, how come we won't keep it real? How come we won't talk about, you know, real conversations? Well, you know, we could start doing that. But when that time does come, don't be acting all evasive. Don't be acting like, oh, you're, you're too confrontational or you're too, hey, you said you want to keep it real. All right. So let's be real. All right. We must love our neighbor as ourselves. So we must think about this when, when, we, when, we, when, we tend to, when we tend or we're tempted to want to gossip or slander. We have to ask ourselves, you know, would I want someone to talk bad about me like this behind my back? You know, when, when someone, you know, when, when you're struggling with forgiving someone or you have a heart full of hatred, you know, you got to ask yourself, would I want to have someone be that hateful towards me? I want forgiveness. We all want forgiveness, right? God forgave us, so we didn't have to start forgiving. And here's the thing about forgiveness, right? It's so freeing. That's like another life hack. 
when you forgive people. It removes that burden off of you, right? Forgiveness is a beautiful thing. Reconciliation is even better, right? But I know sometimes that's not possible because reconciliation takes two people, you know, two parties to come together, right? But you got to do your part and forgive, right? So that's how we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. We must be generous. We must have integrity. And that consists of, you know, being, you know, being honest. You know, that, that consists of being, you know, uh, merciful. That, that consists of being, you know, all these things in Leviticus, all right? So holiness does involve your devotion and worship to God. Your vertical relationship to God is important and foundational to being holy towards others. It, do, it does involve your purity, too. But it also involves how you treat your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Those by you, those in front of you, those behind you, your coworker, your boss, your brother and sister in the faith, and your family members, your mother and your father, okay, your, your pastor, you know, your actual neighbors, people you live with. It could even be your enemy. Jesus said to love your enemies, right? It's kind of implied here that, you know, when you're retaliated against, you know, when you're holding vengeance, it's probably talking about an enemy, someone who offended you, right? So this is why Jesus says in the Gospels that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Vertical and horizontal holiness go hand in hand. The two are inseparable. So church... Here's our challenge. I want us to think more broadly about what holiness is. It's not just your devotion to God as far as your um, meditation and Bible reading and praying and fasting. It's also how you treat your neighbor. Okay? And if you're here today and you don't know who Christ is, this is the start of Passion Week. Today is um, the triumphal entry, um, Palm Sunday, right? But we have to remember and reflect that God loves you. See, we're, we're all unholy before we came to Christ. And you have a chance to become holy if you turn away from your sins and believe. So you won't have perfection, you know, in this area of holiness, okay? But you will be equipped to continually and habitually want to live holy and live holy because you have a Holy Spirit indwelled in you. See, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, you know, peace, patience, kind, all those things, all the things Ryan told us about in the Sunday school class. That fruit is really going to help equip you to love your neighbor as yourself. But you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You can't do it without the relationship with God. You might think, oh, I could be a good person without God. But in the eyes of God, you're not a good person without him, without believing in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So the first step for you is to get your vertical relationship right with God. And that is only through Christ. And after that, it's time to be a living sacrifice. It's time to love your neighbor as yourself. It's time to display that horizontal holiness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, your word. Um, Although the book of Leviticus is not a popular book, Lord, I just pray that um, this portion of scripture uh, will really um, stay with us um, for this week, Lord, and how we um, not only love you with all of our being, but also to love our neighbors as ourselves. I just pray for those who do not know you today. I just pray today is the day of salvation where they turn from their sins and believe in the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.